Peace be upon you. So there's two predominant reasons why someone who's committed to the Quran alone, who wants to follow the path of the Prophet, will follow only the Quran and reject all other Hadith. The first reason is that the Hadith beside the Quran have no authority. Consistently through and through in the Quran, God condemns people who uphold other Hadith beside the Quran. In Surah 45, verse 6, it reads, These are God's revelations that we recite to you truthfully. In which hadith other than God and his revelations do they believe? So God is calling out hadith by name, knowing full well that Sunni Muslims are going to call their corpus of these narrations that they're attributing to the Prophet hadith. And in the Quran, God is condemning them and saying, Which hadith other than God and his revelations do they believe? In Surah 77, verse 50, it says, Which hadith other than this do they uphold? So God, in all his wisdom, knowing full well what was going to come after the revelation of the Quran, is already condemning the Hadith by name. In Surah 31, verse 6, it reads, Among the people there are those who uphold baseless Hadith, and thus divert others from the path of God without knowledge and take it in vain. These have incurred a shameful retribution. So not only does God condemn the Hadith by name in the Quran, it also repeatedly tells us that we have to uphold this book that God did not give us any other books to study. In Surah 6, verse 114, 115, it reads, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he is revealed to you this book, fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the hearer, the omniscient. So this is the primary reason for rejecting the entire Hadith corpus, is that it has no authority according to the Quran that we are to uphold, that the only criteria we are to judge by is the Quran. This is why the Quran is called the Furqan, the Book of Law. To say that we uphold the Hadith beside the Quran is to say that we have multiple books of law. And this contradicts because just like there's no other partners with God, there's no other books that God needs to partner with his Quran. The second reason that anyone who wants to actually follow the path of the prophet and wants to be committed to God alone would follow only the Quran is that any other hadith in their entire corpus aside from the Quran lacks any credibility. It is not certain. It's actually conjecture. And hadith, by its very nature, is zon. Zon in Arabic means conjecture and lacks any level of certainty or reliability. In the book, Hadith, Muhammad's Legacy in the Medieval and Modern World, written by Sunni Muslim and Professor Jonathan Brown of Harvard, who he himself is an expert in the transmission and compilations of hadith, writes, when Sunni legal theory matured in the 11th century, it was accepted that although Ahad, non-massively transmitted hadith, did not yield epistemological certainty, what is known as yaqeen, that the Prophet had made that statement, they did yield a very strong probability, zan. This was sufficient for fixing law and ritual. While almost all legal hadith were Ahad, the Quran was epistemologically certain, massively transmitted from the time of the Prophet. This is in their own words that they're saying that the Hadith corpus outside of the Quran is zon, is conjecture. Now he uses fancy words, says, oh, it's strong probability. But let's see what the Quran has to say about zon. In the Quran, God condemns anyone who upholds zon for the sake of religious authority.
In Surah 10, verse 36, it says, Most of them follow nothing but conjecture, zon. And conjecture is no substitute for the truth. God is fully aware of everything they do. In Surah 6, verse 116, this is immediately after God telling us that the Quran is complete, it's fully detailed, it's our only source of religious law. It reads, if you obey the majority of people on earth, they will divert you from the path of God. They follow only conjecture, zon. They only guess. So again, the Quran is condemning those who uphold conjecture for religious law. We have no room for conjecture in our religious understanding. We have to deal with certainty. Now, I want to show how the Hadith is full of conjecture. And for example, you know, people, they claim that, oh, you have to have the Hadith in order to understand the, you know, the circumstances of the Prophet and the background and what took place. And what they don't realize is that the Hadith fails on the most basic facts. These should be cut and dry. So, for instance, if you consult the Hadith corpus, and I'm only dealing with Sahih Hadith. These are from uh, Sahih Bukhari and Muslim. They're uncertain what the first revelation of the Quran was. In some narrations, it'll say that Surah 74 was the first revelation, Al-Mudathir. In other ones, it'll say that Surah 96, Al-Alaq, was the first revelation. And again, both of these are considered Sahih. So even the most basic facts, the Hadith is unclear about. But it's not just the first revelation. We have the same issue regarding what was the last revelation given to the Prophet, according to Hadith. So again, in Sahih narrations, some say that the last verses uh, was uh, Surah 2, verse 278 through 281. They'll say that this was the last verses revealed to the Prophet. Other narrations, and again, still Sahih, they say that the last verse revealed was Surah 4, verse 176. And in other uh, Sahih narrations, it'll say that it was actually Surah 5, verse 3 was the last revelation. And some even say that, no, it was Surah 110 that was the last revelation. So if we go to the Sahih corpus, Again, there's no certainty regarding these basic kind of what should be cut and dry objective facts. But it gets even worse. You know, how old was the prophet when he died? If you look at the Hadith corpus regarding the age of the prophet when he died, it's all over the map. Some claim that he died at the age of 60. Others say 63. Others say 65. All these are claimed to be Sahih. Or how many years did he spend in Mecca and Medina? The Hadith corpus is unclear about this. They some say that he spent 10 years in Mecca, 10 years in Medina, 13 years in Mecca, 10 years in Medina. And because of these, again, simple facts, I mean, their entire calendar is based on the Hijra. And they can't say how many years he was in Mecca and how many years he was in Medina, according to the Hadith. Now, if they can't get these basic facts right, how less reliable are they on everything else? Which battles was the Prophet in? If you consult the Hadith corpus, it's all over the map. They can't say definitively which battles was he in, when were these fought. There's doubt about it. Same thing, who were the Prophet's wives? The Hadith corpus is unclear about this. Who were his wives? When did he get married? Were they his actual wives or were they his you know, supposed concubines? The Hadith corpus has no consistency in these matters. And the typical response from Sunnis when you know, confronted with this is they're saying that, oh, you're cherry-picking Hadith and rejecting the authenticity of the entire corpus based on what they consider slight disputes. But to refute such a claim, Let's gauge the reliability of Hadith based on what should be considered the most reputable Hadith found in the entire Hadith corpus. So what I want to do in this episode is look at three examples of what should be considered the strongest cases for Hadith and show that in every single one of these cases, the Hadith failed to show any sign of consistency. And again, I'm not cherry-picking weak 
cases. I'm cherry picking what should be considered by anyone objective to this matter to say, yes, these should be the three best use cases to prove if the Hadith is consistent, authentic or not. So the first case study has to do with what is considered the most mass transmitted Hadith in the entire corpus. And this Hadith basically consists of this single statement where the Prophet supposedly said, anyone who fabricates a lie against me will have their seat in hell. Now, this is considered the most mass transmitted uh, narration attributed to the Prophet. They say over 70 companions have narrated this statement. Now, such a simple statement, you would think, you know, there would be no reason for, for doubt. This should be their strongest use case. You have the most narrators. It's just one single sentence. Despite the fact that, yeah, there's alterations in the uh, phrasing, that's not what I'm getting at. In this one single sentence, there is a major issue. In many of the narrations, it simply says anyone who attributes a lie against me will have their seat in hell. While in other narrations, it says anyone who deliberately lies against me will have their seat in hell. This one word, deliberate, occurs in some of the narrations and doesn't occur in other narrations. Now, both these narrations are considered sahih, and you'll see it repeated both in Muslim and Bukhari, not to mention, you know, the multitude of other uh, books from compilers. But it's fascinating that, again, in some of the narrations, it simply says anyone who lies against me, while other narrations add the word deliberate. Now, this is not a minor difference. The reason this is major is because I'm not looking at saying, hey, which one is right, which one is wrong, right? I'm saying that this lacks authenticity. If the Hadith corpus can't get this one single statement that's supposedly the most mass transmitted statement from the Prophet right, how less reliable are they for all other narrations? Because pending on if you think that the lie is unintentional or must be intentional is going to dictate how you view the entire Hadith corpus. Now, we looked at previous episodes, how many of the Prophet's companions, according to the Hadith, viewed this Hadith to be that it didn't matter if it was intentional or not. The reality is when you look at the Sahih corpus, they're unsure. They don't know which one it is. And again, if they can't get the most basic, simple statement, the most mass transmitted statement from the Prophet, right, how less reliable is it regarding all the other narrations? Now we have this Hadith from the companion Wathila bin Asqa that he admitted that sometimes the early Muslims even confused the exact wording of the Quran, which was universally well-known and well-preserved. So how, he asked, could one expect any less in the case of a report, a hadith, that the Prophet had said just once? Al-Hasan al-Basri is reported to have said, if we only narrated to you what we could repeat word for word, we would only narrate two hadiths. So in their own understanding their own words. They're admitting, they're telling you that this Hadith corpus is conjecture. And it's not just, again, delta in minor differences in meaning. These have major ramifications because when you're dealing with what is supposed to be a book of law, every vowel marking is important. You know, every word is important. If you're going to say, I'm unsure if the word deliberate is in there or not, that is not satisfactory. That is not something that we can base law upon. And this is the fundamental problem with Hadith. There is no authenticity in any of these narrations. And this shows that the most widely transmitted Hadith, their poster child 
for Hadith sciences and how good their uh, transmission uh, methods are, utterly fails and is incapable of transmitting one single sentence from the Prophet. And not only in speech, but in meaning that they can't tell you is the word deliberate in that sentence or not. Therefore, if the most highly transmitted statement in the entire Hadith corpus, which consists of only a single sentence, is unreliable, how less reliable are all other Hadiths? So let's look at now the second use case. What is one of the most oft-repeated statements made by the Prophet? You know, in the case of these other statements, the majority of the Hadith were, you know, the Prophet made a statement once in passing, one can say that, you know, maybe some companions misheard him and, you know, others had to correct him. Let's look at an example of a statement that was made probably tens of thousands of times by the Prophet. And this is the Tashahud. The Tashahud is the testimony of faith, which is to be recited during the Salat while in the sitting position. Now, the Prophet must have made this statement, we're talking about tens of thousands of times meaning that people must have heard this over and over and over again from the Prophet. And not only that, the Hadith corpus claims that this was taught to them no different than a verse of the Quran. So we can say that single-handedly, this is one of the most oft-repeated statements made by the Prophet. Therefore, we would expect that there should be an absolute consensus among all the companions regarding the exact wording of this most prolific statement from the Prophet. When we search the Hadith corpus, we see this is not the case. If we reserve ourselves to the Sita and the Muwatta, we see that there is uh, six different narrations to what one is supposed to say during the Tashahud. And ironically, again, each of them claim that this was taught to them no different than the verse of the Quran. And these aren't just minor differences. These are major differences that each of these companions who are supposedly narrating claim that the Prophet taught them no different than the verse of the Quran. You know, if we saw this level of variability inside the Quran, it would be, we would be full of doubt. But it just goes to show that the Hadith, it fails in the very function of what it's supposed to do. Transmit a simple statement from the Prophet, something that he supposedly said tens of thousands of times, that he taught his companions no different than the verse of the Quran. Yet the Hadith corpus fails again and again on this regard. So we can't say that, okay, hey, it was a one-off comment that the Prophet made. You know, maybe the, uh, the companions remembered it differently. This is a statement that you would expect that if you go to the Hadith that the Prophet made so many times that they would be consistent on. Yet that's not what we find. And again, if the most oft-repeated statement made by the Prophet, which was supposedly taught to his companions no different than the verse of the Quran, is unreliable, how less reliable are all the other Hadith? How less reliable is it to use those other Hadith as a source of law? It's purely conjecture. It has no foundation, no basis, and is the inspiration of the devil. Now, before we get to the third example, let's recap. The Hadith that is the most mass transmitted, the poster child of Hadith sciences, fails to articulate the speech of what the Prophet said in a single sentence, not just the verbatim statement, but also the meaning. That the most oft-repeated statement made by the Prophet, again, it fails to transmit this reliably in the Hadith corpus. That there's no consistency to what the Tashahud should be according to the Prophet, despite the fact that they're, they're vouching that this was taught to them no different than the verse of the Quran. 
So in this third example, we're going to look at the one statement that historically is believed to be the most uh, single heard statement by the prophet. And this is the sermon he gave at the farewell pilgrimage. Now, what's interesting is in this sermon, they don't know exactly how many people were in the audience. Uh, they estimate between 4,000 to 10,000 people were listening to this sermon. Secondly, they're not sure exactly where it was that he gave this sermon. But we can say definitively, based on the history, this one statement must have been heard by more people in one instant than any other statement in the prophet's entire life. So not only can they not get these basic facts correctly, when we look at the, uh, the what's transmitted from this sermon, okay, we don't have a single account of what he said from start to finish. You know, out of the supposed thousands of people out there, not one person is able to articulate and transmit for generation to generation what it was that the prophet said. Not only that, we don't even have a single sermon from start to finish from the prophet. We have bits and pieces of supposedly what he said, and that's in the entire life of the prophet. Now, again, this one single sermon, not only do they fail to understand the basic facts of what took place when he gave this sermon, do they actually know what it is that he said? You know, stated, they do not have a transcript of what he said. But what we have are four, roughly four, different transmissions uh, regarding what they testify that he said. And these differences are not minor. They're major differences in uh, meaning and understanding. And I'm going to focus on just one simple sentence that, again, depending on which transmission you're looking at, is going to tell you something vastly different. So not only is this, you know, bits and pieces of what he said in the sermon uh, very, I want to focus just on this one sentence. In the most prolific and considered sound transmission, it says, I left for you what if you hold up to, you will never be misguided. The book of God. So that's the first transmission. The second one says, I left for you what if you hold up to, you will never be misguided. The book of God and my family, the people of the house. In the third narration, it says, I left for you what if you hold up to, you will never be misguided. The book of God and my sunnah. And in the last one, it says, you must follow my sunnah and that of the rightly guided caliphs. So this sermon that was supposedly heard by the most people in one instance, more, uh, more people heard this one statement from the prophet than any other statement in his life. Not only is it unreliable regarding what he said, you know, not only do they not, they're not sure where it was that he gave this sermon, how many people were listening, you know, the content of the sermon vastly differs from one another. And again, these aren't just like, hey, the general idea is there. It's like, no, depending on which understanding you go with, it's going to have major, major ramifications to the understanding of your entire religion. So the fact that there's no consensus regarding what the prophet stated in the single most widely heard sermon of his entire life, again, reinforces that the Hadith are highly unreliable. If the Hadith is not reliable to inform us what the Prophet said when potentially thousands of supposedly people have witnessed such a sermon, how less reliable are they when most of the Hadith were one-off statements made by the Prophet heard by one, maybe two individuals? This all shows that individuals who claim that the Hadith are unreliable are not doing this because they are cherry-picking questionable Hadith. Even among the most prominent examples where one should expect that if there is any authenticity to the Hadith, 
It should be visible in these three examples. The Hadith literature repeatedly fails. It fails to determine the exact wording and meaning of a single sentence that is considered the most mass-transmitted statement in the entire Hadith corpus. It fails to provide the exact wording for the Tashahud, which should be the most oft-repeated statement made by the Prophet through his whole life that he supposedly taught to his companions no different than the verse of the Quran. And thirdly, it fails to give a consistent account regarding what the Prophet supposedly stated during the most widely heard sermon of his life. So again, if the Hadith fails again and again on what should be its most ironclad narrations, how less reliable should one consider Hadith for all other matters? This is the reason we follow the Quran alone. This is our only source of religious law that we can say definitively was transmitted by God to his prophet for us to follow today. No other hadith in the entire corpus comes close to this level of certainty because the hadith fails on the most basic facts and on the most ironclad cases we see that it's nothing but conjecture. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys want to get in contact, please join us on our Discord server. We got a thriving community, new submitters joining every day who reject Hadith and want to worship God alone and follow the Quran alone. The invite link for the Discord server is below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please go to the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranStudyApp.com website. And if you want notes from today's discussion, with all the Hadith references and in-depth articles on these topics, please go to Crontalk blog website. And if you want more regular updates, please follow me on Twitter at TalkQuran. And until next time, peace and God bless.